It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Brayton tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I think Stat Pat should be part-time at least. Like a weekly gig, maybe. You just can't toss him away like some piece of trash. Poor Pat. Chris said, Mark Madden needs him more. <laughs> Here's the deal. We had a close vote right now. In fact, while he's still around, since it is numbers, should I have Stat Pat look at the numbers here? Read the tweet? He's in. He's in... He's in the building. He's still working here. So, I mean, as long as he's here, we might as well give him a chance to get better. Yeah, Yeah. and Harry just went to the bathroom, so we should slip it in now. Sweet, because if Harry... That's what I'm scared of, is losing Harry in this. I don't want Harry to throw down an ultimatum and be like, it's either me or him. I don't need that. Oh, that's the last thing Stat Pat needs, because it's over. I mean, that's an easy choice. Mm -hmm. Just don't let Harry know. Yeah. So, here it is. Does Stat Pat have to go... 51% 51% of the audience, Adam, says no. I get to keep my job. I get to keep my job. My wife's not going to leave me. <laughs> yeah, that guy's got to go. 412-922-2874. Tweet me, at underscore Adam Crowley. So many people are defending Gudis to me today. It's not about whether or not he saw Couturier and meant to hit him. It's that he saw him and didn't get out of his way. You know there's two drills going on. That's the issue. It's not that he's trying to hurt his teammate. Although I wouldn't put it past him because he's Rad Gogutis and he's such an idiot. Ryan tweets, never thought I'd defend Gudis so much, but here we are. He obviously never saw him coming. He's not purposely taking out his own guys in practice during the playoffs. Again, it's not purposely, but you have to have a wherewithal where you are. People were bitching earlier in the season that Ole Mata ripped a shot off of Matt Murray's mask, and they were saying, you're not supposed to shoot up by in practice. That happened. It's an accident. Even National Hockey League players sometimes have a difficult time of aiming exactly where their slap shot's going to go. But when you're skating backwards doing a drill and another guy's coming forward with a head of steam, you have to know that you can't reach out for the puck right there because you're going to go where he's going. You're going to get in his path. I can't believe I'm talking so much about Radko Gudis today. Patrick Hornquist is out for game four. A lot of people have been talking about Zach Aston Reese as a possible replacement. I mean, he's a sturdy build. He's not fleet of foot. He's similar in those regards, but he doesn't have the same mental makeup that Patrick Hornquist has. He's not as good of a player as Patrick Hornquist is at this point in his career. One of the reasons why Patrick Hornquist got signed to that extension is because they didn't think Zach Astoris is ready to hop right into that role immediately. So, no, he's not going to be the guy who's going to quote-unquote replace him. Will he play some of his minutes? Will he try to replicate some of his production? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not going to work the way you all out there think it's going to work. In 15 minutes, going to hear from Brian Metzer here on the Crowley Show. I think Kessel needs to pick up some slack here. And that's not to say that his production would mimic that of a Patrick Hornquist in terms of the way he comes about that production. But production's production nonetheless. If you score a goal, it counts as a goal, whether it's on the power play, shorthanded, five on four, in front of the net, from the point, wherever, 
A goal is a goal is a goal. And if Patrick Hornquist's goals are going to come out of the lineup, if his production is going to come out of the lineup, somebody is going to need to replicate it. And we haven't seen much from Phil Kessel throughout this series thus far. He had a point on the assist on the power play on Broussard's goal on Sunday. And it was sick. But five-on-five, Phil had not been great. If Phil can put the puck in the back of the net, if Phil can create offensively, then perhaps he can make up for some of the missing offense that Patrick Hornquist would have provided. That's what we're looking for here. Is him to raise his game a little bit, Aston Race to raise his game a little bit, Simone to not suck. I almost got in trouble there. I'm just thin ice today. We need him not to suck. That's where that sentence always needs to end. Suck. You can't add body parts. You start adding body parts, you're screwed. You're effed. You're in trouble. They're going to need him not to suck ass. Penguins power play without Patrick Hornquist this year, 26.2%. That's part of me with with him. 12.9% without him. His net front presence is obviously going to be missed, and Jake Gensel just doesn't have that kind of ability. He's not a big dude. He'll go to the dirty areas, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be successful there. So while he'll be in the front more than likely on the power play, I wouldn't look for similar production. Sean Couturier not going to be playing, perhaps, for the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow. And that would be an absolutely devastating loss for them. He's a Selkie candidate. And beyond that, he scored 30 goals this year for the team. He centers the Claude Giroux line. If he's out, I don't know what you do. If you move Valtteri Filppula up to your second-line center, you're going to get fisted. I mean, you're just going to get dominated. You're going to get crushed. If it's Valtteri Filppula up against Evgeny Malkin's line, they don't have a chance. Valtteri Filppula skates in quicksand. He's not the guy that you would like to see if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan trying to contend for the monster that is Evgeny Malkin in the playoffs. I don't know what you do. Do you move Giroux back to center? These aren't questions for me. These are questions for Dave the Hack Hackstall, and I'm pretty sure he won't know what to do if Claude, or if, pardon me, Sean Couturier is not going to be playing. Danny Boy tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, can you blame the coaches for running the drills so close? I suppose, but you're not thinking that the players are going to run into each other because you're thinking that they're going to know where the other player is at all times out there on the ice. Again, whether or not you want to blame Radko Gudis is not something that I'm all that interested in discussing. What I am interested in discussing is the fact that now Sean Couturier is perhaps going to be out of the lineup tomorrow. And what that means for the Flyers is bad things. I think it's over already. But without him, they effed. Stan talked today on his show about this game and whether or not it was a must-win game for the Flyers or not. Oftentimes in sports radio, we boil things down to questions. On this show, we ask questions like, who's a better producer, Joe or Tom? We ask questions like, hey, should StatPat stick around? Or, hey, what what player? Oh, boy, I almost made the sound that Tom made. I almost made the choking sound. <laughs> Who would you not pee on if they were on fire? That's a sports figure that you don't like. Those are the questions we ask. Stan says, is it? A must-win game for the Flyers or not? Well, of course, it's a must-win game for the Flyers. If they go down 3-1 to coming back to Pittsburgh, it's over. They're not the better team as is. Uh, they don't have a chance. Now, 
you might have thought something similar back in 2011 when the Tampa Bay Lightning fell behind three games to one and they wound up winning the series, but the Penguins didn't have Crosby. The Penguins didn't have Malkin. Penguins had, on their first power play, Alexei Kovalev, who was a damn mummy at that point, 115 years old, and freaking Mark Letestu. Yikes! These Penguins, it's not the same thing. You go back to 2013, the Rangers were down three games to one, and they found a way to come back. But those were the mentally fragile Penguins. These ones aren't. If the Flyers fall behind three games to one, it's over. So, yeah, they need to win. They need to push the game back to Pittsburgh with the series tied. Or else it's really over. Although, again, I'll couch it with this. I think it's over. Anyhow, how about that fraud Giroux guy? Plus 28 in the regular season. Tallied 102 points in 82 games. That's a great season. He's a great player. He did it all playing left wing, but the points and goals still counted. He's done nothing in this playoff series. He's been invisible except for on the power play, and even then he hasn't created a lot of great chances. Crosby's got seven points in three games. Giroux's got one point in three games. He's a minus four. Giroux's got more penalty minutes with two than he has points. Uh, The Flyers don't have a chance to win if their best player is not going to be their best player. And if Couturier is out tomorrow, then who's going to help their best player drive possession? They haven't been doing a good enough job of that already, and without him, they're effed. 412-922-2874. Tweet me, at underscore Adam Crowley. A lot of interaction on the Twitter.com today. I think it's because so many people were checking out the old cheese tees with Lord Stanley. Tom, you still pitching yourself from them. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Was hot, it was like a dream come true for real. You're such a dork. Thank you, man. It was such a it was such a dream come true. Shut up, StatPet. And even StatPet's getting in on you for a second there. I'll tell you what, it was awesome though. It wasn't a dream come true for you? It was. Yeah, it was. I kissed where it listed the twenty sixteen penguins, and then I kissed where it listed the twenty seventeen penguins. And then I licked all the Mario Lemieux penguins. Uh, I was going to say, there better have been some love for 91. Oh, my too. God, There's dude. There's a whole lot of love for those penguins. My mouth still tastes like cup. What do you mean? Nothing. That's as lucky as we've ever been, I think. At least for me. Getting yeah. an opportunity to hang out with the cup. Yeah, bucket list. Alone for 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, last year we got to take our pictures with it here in the uh, building. Um, you know, cause we keep winning the cup. So it keeps coming back and like, you're in this like cattle line and everybody's there with their family. And it's like, you don't get any like intimate time with the cup. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, we like, we could have done whatever we wanted with the cup. It was just us and the handler. Real and talk. I'm pretty sure Tom could have taken out the handler if we needed to. Oh, we would have kicked that guy's ass. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. We could have heisted the cup. Why did not? Why did we not think of stealing the cup? Oh my God! We could have gone all. Oh, what the hell is that movie with Nicolas Cage? Uh, National Treasure. We could have gone all National Treasure and just rappelled down the damn walls. Yeah, actually, Nick Cage would have come up from underneath. So the Stanley Cup sits on a table with a cloth that goes all oh, the way down. Oh, he would have been under the table. He would have come cloth? under. He he might have very actually. Who knows? He Nick could have been there. Yeah, he might have been under that cup, like just waiting. I am wondering that if we had. Asked if we could have brought a beer, if we could have filled it up and drank a beer from it. Shockingly, you didn't ask. I mean, I know Tom and I kind of joked about it. Like, it's funny, Crowley didn't bring any beer to drink out of that. Yeah. I mean, I kissed it. 
Yeah. I we licked all, it. We all kissed it. I hugged it. Yeah. Could have drank out of it, I bet. Yeah. That guy I, was cool. If you guys weren't in the room, I honestly would have humped the damn thing. Whoa. That's happened before, by the way. There's no chance that people have not done it in bed with the cup. With the handler standing there in the corner doing whatever he's doing, gloves on or not. Oh, guaranteed. I and guarantee it's not the last happened. time. No, it'll happen again. It'll, it happens every summer. Every summer, I guarantee the cup is in bed with a nice menage a trois with the player and said Stanley. I mean, think about it. You know, you're laying there with the cup, start to turn the lights down low. Mm. I mean, one thing leads to another. Tom, get, get some uh, soul music going now. Uh, give me something that I can, can imagine we, myself touching the cup with. If I could ask specifically, can we maybe get some Marvin Gaye? Mm. Something with a little... That's little, Marvin Gaye and get it on, baby. A little sexy behind it. I mean, there's nothing that I wanted to do more than bend that cup over. Just go to Pound Town. Taking the cup to Pound Town, huh? You know what I saw? The Flyers, 75. And it made me realize, and this is what got me really turned on. Got them nips going. Is when I realized that there was I, Adam Crowley, licking and kissing this thing. And not a flyer has touched it since 1975. Like, that is so satisfying to me that we, the three jabronis that we are, had an opportunity <laughs> to touch that thing and violate that thing, and not one of them got an opportunity to do it in their career with that team. I don't care if any team in the National Hockey League wins the Stanley Cup, except for the Flyers. And when they do, I'll probably be dead. Eh, it's going to be a while. Get it on, baby. Why you, you, me. Why do you keep looking cup. me in the eye when you say things like that? You're making me uncomfortable. Look, I just, the cup gets me turned on. Yeah, but you don't have to stare at me when you're talking like that. Oh. I'll look at Tom. Yeah, look at Tom. Look at Stack Pack. Look, Tom and I were about to go all Eiffel Tower on that. French Canadians. Mm. Coming up next, Brian Metzer. Let's talk about how the Penguins continue their venture to win that thing for the third time in a row. If loving the cup is wrong, I don't want to be right. I need a cigarette. Got the vape over there. It's got this tweet. I'm, I keep waiting for Tom to go to break, but you licked and kissed the cup that some Canadian has likely dipped his junk in. Hey, talky man. I just licked the rim. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is what I'd do to it. Is it weird that a trophy can uh, make it you excited down there? It instills all the feelings, man. <laughs>
hey, Cup, you know, the first time, you got to give me a break on that. Second time will be much, oh, much longer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Daddy. Dale just texted me. He goes, man, you were licking that thing and kissing that thing, and some dude from Moose Bleep probably took a dump in it. No, that's the one thing that the keeper of the cup did say today is that they always respect it. So probably not dump, but I guarantee you there were other bodily fluids on it. I'd kiss it again. Knowing that it happened an hour before, I wouldn't even care. I'd kiss it and lick it all over again. Like yeah. If someone came up and was like, hey, somebody pooped in the cup like an hour ago, I'd be like, all right. Let's be real. Tom's girlfriend, she's been kissed a little bit more than that cup, and yet he still goes to town. That's so unfair. Oh, no. It's just that Tom has a girlfriend no. and you don't, so I just I knew I could take him out that way. I love Emma. She's a great woman. You just took a shot at Tom. I just totally took a shot at Tom. Oh, I, I ripped his poor girlfriend. Love you, Emma. I'm sorry about that. Sorry, wow. Tom. I love you. Are wow. we good? Nope, we're not. Are we good? No, we're not. You sure we're not good? We're not good. Dude, you know what? I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of Stat Pat right now than I am of you, so how about that? Shot. Even I took a shot at your girlfriend, Tom. How do you hey! like that? I told you, when I'm in the studio, you better not open your mouth. Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network joins us now. Radko Gudis took out Sean Couturier at practice today. I tweeted it on my account, at underscore Adam Crowley. Did you see that, Metz? I did. And, uh, to, to your analogy, it's sort of like, you know, when people own exotic animals and they, and they say they could turn on you at any moment. They want an alligator yes. or a crocodile or a lion or a tiger. That's what you get with Radko Dudas. And while I'm not certain he meant to do that because it looks like he was running a drill of his own right in the path of one of their star players, which seems absurd, he's now potentially taken out one of the, the most productive flyers in this series, and that's bad news for them. It is very bad news for them. What would you put the odds of them winning this series at Mets if they had Couturier being down two games to one? And what would you say the odds would be if they didn't have Couturier now being down two games to one? Well, I don't know that they have any chance without Couturier. So there's really no odds. Uh, he, if they were going to come back, and I, I'm not a good odds maker, my friend, but if they were going to do it, he would have been a main player because you and I have talked about this. He is the guy that seem, seems to find a way to needle under the skin of Evgeny Malkin to agitate him. He was agitating Patrick Hornquist a little bit, and he went out there and scored some some nice points in game two. I mean, the no-look pass to Nolan Patrick on the power play the other day was just spectacular. I was really impressed by that. And this is a kid that's really come into his own offensively. Great defensive player. You take him out of the mix. They don't have a guy with that size, with that reach, with that pedigree that can do all the things he can do. Yeah, Patrick has started to grow, and he can help offset the loss of Couturier, and he's probably going to have to be the number one center if he's out. But that doesn't leave you many other options down the middle. I mean, which Stoffel are going to slide up and be your number two center now? I don't know if I like that look at all. Ew, gross. No, that's terrible. They don't have a chance to win the series if Valtteri Filpel is their second-line center. A good player in his right whenever he was younger, but the guy's skating in quicksand now. You're 100% right about all of that. Let's focus now on the Patrick Hornquist injury. Who can replace what he brings? I don't think anybody can from a mindset standpoint, but I think Zach Aston Reese can play his game a little bit. At least that's the kind of player he's been billed as. I was just going to say, you took the words out of my mouth, Zartan is the man. I mean, I just would love to see him slide up there. It's not going to happen as of the lines today anyway. 
Uh, and, and it might be something they'll look at in-game a little bit. Now, you know, it might not be fair to say that he could do everything that Hornquist can. Just be, And I know you didn't say that, but, I mean, he has the size. He's good and tight. I love his hands and his stick handling ability in very in very tight quarters. He seems to be able to think with the puck, turn it forehand, backhand off of rebound opportunities. So maybe that's something we might see on the power play. If Patrick Hornquist isn't available moving beyond you know the next game, maybe Zach Aston Reese gets out there and can play that net front presence because when they've used Jake Gensel out there, I don't see him being near as effective. He's a guy that tries to get a little too finessey when he's in front of the net. He, he doesn't use his body to even try and take the goaltender's eyes away, and I know he's not really big enough to do that, but even when he is in front, he's not screening. He's turning and trying to make a skill play on the puck, and, and you know, in that same play, Hornquist is a guy that just sort of stands there and bangs around and beats up the defenseman and beats up the goaltender. So I think Zach Aston Reese is a good guy that could potentially slide in there, and maybe th- this is off the wall, but I mean, if based on who they have to insert into the lineup, and right now it looks like it's going to be Dominic uh, Simone, I don't know that he can do it. I'd love to maybe see them try if they can find a way to get him into the lineup, maybe a Julius or a Rowney, because they have size to do that net front stuff, but they don't have the skill. So it's probably Zach Aston Reese, all of that said. Uh, and he's a guy that's proven to be able to do it in tight quarters. So I'll leave it at that. Brian Metzger of the Penguins Radio Network joining me here on the Crowley Show. The power play has not at all been the same whenever Patrick Hornquist has not been in the lineup. 26.2% with him, 12.9% without him. I think one guy who could pick up the slack a little bit in terms of production, obviously doesn't play the same way, is Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel has not been himself, his typical Phil Kessel playoff dude in these first three games. I do think he played a lot better in game number three, if his production can take off a little bit, then perhaps they won't miss the absence of the production from Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, it's interesting to me. He only has four shots on goal in the series, 14 attempts overall. Uh, and that's a guy that we know when he's feeling good about his game, he's blasting the puck from all over the place. Even when he's not hitting the net, he's at least attempting to take those shots. So I guess the 14 attempts is good, but I would like to see more than four on the goal he looks like he's uh, maybe dealing with a little something, whatever that may be. We all thought that at the end of the season. I know you brought it up a couple weeks ago when we got together for a conversation. And um, he, he has his Ironman streak, so he doesn't want to give that up. He's not going to sit down. He made a really nice pass to set up the Broussard goal. Uh, whenever that goal was scored on the power play, maybe he becomes a little bit more of a playmaker again. But he's got to be a guy that's shooting the puck, putting it towards the net, because even when he doesn't score, it's coming with such great velocity that it's creating a great rebound opportunity if a goaltender makes a save. He's kicking it out, and a lot of times he has no clue where it's going, and it allows guys like Sidney Crosby on the power play to get his stick active in and around the net. So look for Phil to maybe start trying to shoot a little more from that left faceoff dot simply because other teams now maybe don't fear that because he hasn't been doing it, mm-hmm. doing it as much. And you know what? It might be open now because they're going to look at the, the tape of Evgeny Malkin and Justin Schultz scoring one-time goals on the power play in the last game, Adam. That alone might be enough to open up some lanes for Phil Kessel to start firing pucks through there again. From a psychological standpoint, I imagine that Brian Elliott's going to sleep a lot better tonight without Patrick Hornquist being in the lineup tomorrow, no? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you think any goaltender in this league that's had to play against him, first of all, they wish they had earplugs because you know his mouth is running nonstop. And he's bumping you. He's getting all in your dance space. And it's got to be very uncomfortable to try and stop pucks that way. So that alone is probably going to help Ryan Elliott. Though, 
based on what we've seen in this series, I, I just I don't know how they can continue to stick with him. I know he was good in game two, but that was really just the result of pucks hitting him. For me, he didn't seem to react until the puck hit his arm or hit his leg or hit him somewhere. Late in that game, he seemed a little bit more locked in. But the Penguins started to light him up again in game three. And uh, when you get to a situation now where maybe they go down three games to one if they lose again, do you keep do you stick with them? I guess you have to because you rode them that far. I don't know that Mrazek's the answer, but Brian Elliott's not been good. Taking Hornquist out can only help him, though. He's bounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker, breaker, one nine. Got a 20 on a bear trap. It's a beaver bear with a bird's eye view, snapping shutters at the Springdale Cheswick ramp, heading on north on 28. Keep your back door closed and pull back them toes, else you're going to be caught in a pose. It's the Smoker Report. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Baby Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or a Bear in the Air, you give us a holler and we'll get you home without that extra freight. And remember, you always keep your shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. He's bounded down. I thought if the Flyers were going to win this series or at least put up a fight, Mets, that Claude Giroux would have to have an impact. And I suppose he still can. But if there was a baton passing in 2012, Sidney Crosby's got the baton locked away in a safe somewhere right now. Yeah, he, he definitely stole it back shortly thereafter the series ended in 2012, I'm guessing, because um, for as good a year as Claude Giroux had this season, it's been the Sidney Crosby show for years and years and years, as we know. And in this series, it's the Sidney Crosby show. He is on fire. Uh, this is some of the the best hockey we've seen early on in a playoff run from Sidney. He's had some really impressive playoff runs. But I think that orange and black just gets him going at him. And yeah. Giroux has got to be a guy that's got to uh, you know, raise the level of his game. I mean, he, playing the left wing, though, now without Couturier, they may have to slide him back to center which then takes his offensive game down a notch, and it's not necessarily been there as much in this series. And if that's the case, that could be bad news for them. Because I think that's the, re- the main reason why Giroux had a huge offensive season this year. He's on the left wing. It's probably of the three positions among forwards the least responsibility, if you will. And it's, it's not usually a, a position that requires you to do much more than cover your point and then get off to the races and score some goals. So I think he took full advantage of that. If he has to move back to center, I don't know that he's going to help them as offensively as they would like. Couldn't agree more. Brian Metzger of the Penguins Radio Network joining us here on the Crowley Show. Brian, this defense of the Penguins was much maligned coming in. People didn't think that they'd be able to flip the switch, didn't think they'd be able to play well. But I always liked the personnel. You and I talked about it. I did think that they'd be able to flip the switch they are giving up the second fewest shots in the national hockey league right now in the playoffs they are giving up the second fewest goals in the playoffs right now we've seen chad ruedel block a bunch of shots for these penguins why have they been so good on the back end i think they've been great what's well, interesting uh and i know saggy and i were talking about this on the postgame show the other night Alexiak's not getting a lot of ice time right now mm-hmm. and that's because he's not involved in their pk so they're protecting him a little bit Justin Schultz is getting some power play time, but his numbers are a little bit down, I guess, in comparison to some of the other guys. So they're really starting to ride the top four defensemen pretty heavily. Uh, And one of those is Chad Ruedo. You just pointed to him. He's killing a ton of penalties. He's out there just playing a sound game. He's not overthinking it. And generally, uh, going back to Chris Chris Letang playing 25, 26 minutes a night, seems like that's got him feeling pretty comfortable again, which is in turn then helped Brian Dumoulin feel comfortable. So those guys are just going out, simplifying the approach. Still a couple of mental mistakes in the defensive zone from time to time, 
but I just like the way that they're quickly getting the puck up to the forwards. They're starting that quick strike offense again, hitting the forwards with speed. That's how this team wins, and it's working so far in this playoff series. Now, is that indicative of them really flipping a switch and being all that much more improved defensively? as opposed to maybe the Flyers being a little bit more dumbed down. If, you know, can this work against another opponent? I guess we'll find out if they advance, but for right now it looks pretty darn good to me. Mike Sullivan said that Broussard played his best game since coming back from injury. Uh, would you agree? And if you do, it had to have been difficult because the line mates were switching constantly because they were on special team for 25 minutes in game number three. Yeah, he's starting to look like that big game brass that we all heard about. And we've seen it against the Penguins. He's always been a very dangerous playoff player. He, he seems to be locked into this series now. He made a really nice strength play in game two, drawing a penalty. It ended up being a hook. I thought it should have been an interference call. Scored the big power play goal the other night. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. I think his face-off uh, skills have started to shine through a little bit more. He's never been that awesome a face-off guy, but that part of his game is there. And doesn't seem to matter who they have him with right now. He's just out there managing his assignment, playing pretty well defensively, and he's chipping in offensively. So, yeah, I could see where the coach would read that assessment or come up with that assessment of Derek Broussard, and that's great news for the Penguins because when you have Sid and Gino doing what they're doing, to then have Broussard come in and be that strong number three, and I want to give a stick tap to Riley Shane as well. He's, Absolutely. he's been doing yeoman's work on the penalty kill. Seven minutes and six seconds in the last game on the PK. That is great stuff from your fourth-line center, and, and he's not looked out of place either. So right down the middle for the Penguins, huge strength. Broussard's a big part of it. I think that two of these three have been really good all season long, but now I think all three of them have been playing well. Justin Schultz, Brian Dumoulin, and Ole Mata. I don't think Schultz lived up to quite what he did last year, obviously, but he looks to be right back on track to what he's done in postseasons past, particularly last year. I mean, what can you say about these guys, and particularly Justin Schultz? Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's funny because when you look at where he was just, what, three years ago, he was essentially on his way to the scrap heap. The Penguins bring him on board for a third-round pick. They revamped him. He's been such a huge part of their success in the past two seasons, and I don't even beat him up this year that much for, for not having a great offensive year because I don't feel like he got the same opportunities with the power play as he did a year ago. He really rolled up some power play points. And I know that, that a lot of folks take the plus-minus stat. It, it's not one that you should focus on. But his plus-minus in the second half was outstanding. And he's got one of the better ratings over the entire league since he joined the Pittsburgh Penguins. So to me, if nothing else, it says he's on the ice for a lot of goals for, not that many against, moves the puck well. His teammates really appreciate his ability offensively. And you know what? You can see Sergei Gonchar's influence on him on the power play when he plays catch with Evgeny Malkin. You don't have another defenseman on that team that lays those pucks in there for Gino mm. to hit the one-timer as well as he does. He puts it right in his wheelhouse, doesn't have to adjust too much, and they score like that. So uh, Justin Schultz has been a really a really nice uh, story for this team in the playoffs so far. And I really, I just think he's had a good year overall. It wasn't quite what it was last year, as you said, but he's going to be a big part of their success in these playoffs if he can keep playing this way, Adam. That Malkin goal that you referenced, Brian, remind me a lot of the goal that Carlson scored in the playoffs two years ago for the Capitals, where they had the five-on-three, and everyone in the world thought that Ovechkin was going to shoot it, and they swapped spots, and he just teed it up. That's exactly yep. what that reminded me of. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. I mean, and, and that's what happens when you have those guys that, that can all shoot the puck, specifically if you have what is sort of known as a one-dimensional power play, at least when you look at the film, because that's why it works for the Caps. 
that's what happens with Ovi every time. They get it to him, he, he launches it, he lets it fly. Uh, and it, one, to that point, I don't know if you noticed this the other night, and I think it's the goal that maybe Ovi fired that uh, Ian Cole could have blocked <laughs> for the Capitals the other night. Well, he thought he was going to crush it with his typical uh, one-time velocity slap shot. He sort of slowed that down and took a wrist shot and still picked the short side. That's how, how you got to do things. you just got to change what you do regularly every once in a while. That's why it works with Carlson. That's why it's working with Gino and Justin Schultz because you don't know which one of them is going to take a shot. And that's why I said what I did about Phil Kessel because if you can stir him in, you got a guy in three areas of the ice that can shoot at any moment. That's going to keep a PK on their, on their, on their toes. Last thing here for you, Brian, because I'm up against it, but you just made me think of something. Changing something just for the heck of it is something I think that Mike Sullivan's really good at. And he shuffled all three lines, the top three lines, in game number three. And I think it just keeps the Flyers on their toes. I think it keeps whatever playoff opponent they're facing on the toes, makes them react to you as opposed to vice versa. I agree. Um, I, I love seeing Phil Kessel back with Evgeny Malkin. I mean, that was something we hadn't seen for a little while. It, it's just, you know, it, he, he's going to change throughout the game. He has his pairings that he really likes on the blue line. He likes his line a certain way, and he always tends to sort of flow back to them a little bit, at least from time to time during a game. But I love that he, he switched things up because that did sort of give the Flyers something different to look at. And it didn't work perfectly for the Penguins in the first period, at least early. But as soon as they got the lead, everybody just seemed to let out a big exhale, and they played Penguins hockey again. And those new lines really seemed to help. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it works moving into, into game four. Specifically, maybe with a Broussard rough combination can do with Connor Sherry. That's something that looks like it's starting to get a little chemistry for this team, even when you look at some skating practices. So I, I think that that's a good third line for this team to combine with what the top two lines are doing. Keep your head up out there, Mets, because Gudis could be right around the corner. You know what? I, he, he's waiting for me outside my car. I'm, I'm scared, Adam, but thanks for this. There he goes. That's my man. Claude, you're up. Jesus. <laughs> Look at the notes, and that's the first thing that pops into my mind. It was Brian Metzer, of course. We didn't pull Claude Giroux. Yeah, he's disappeared. He's on a milk carton somewhere. I'm out. Coming up next, hottest take of the day, other crap, and the three stars of the show. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. I was driving in my car, and I smelled a number five with fries. You know, I farted in my car, so I needed some Febreze. Because I farted in my car, and I farted in my car. Febreze. Febreze. Hey, yeah. Katie, would you shut up in there? You know, I farted in my car, so I needed some Febreze. Because I farted in my car, and I farted in my car. Febreze. Febreze. Hey, yeah. Katie, would you shut up in there? Bucko's going tonight against the Rocks. Got the hottest take of the day coming up in a second. I'll give you the Pirates lineup. Rodriguez playing first. Polanco in right. Marte in center. Bell at first, batting fourth. Dickerson in left, batting fifth. Cervelli catching and hitting sixth. Moran, third base, hitting seventh. Mercer at short. And then Williams. Got any stats for me, Stat Pat? 
Yeah, and his last 11 starts at PNC Park, uh, dating back to 627 last year. Trevor Williams <laughs> has gone 4-2 with a 2.62 ERA. He's surrendered just two runs or less <laughs> in 10 of his last 11 starts at PNC. We'll now go to Harry Carey for the Rocks lineup. Hey! Lead things off to that for your Rockies. DJ Lamahayu, he'll be playing second base. Gerardo Parra's going to bat second and play left field. Charlie Blackman playing center field. And I would be remiss to say we're not extremely grateful for all the wonderful things that Jackie Robinson did in allowing guys like Blackman the ability to play this wonderful game of baseball. Batting cleanup for your Rocks. Cargo, he'll be in right field. Ian Desmond at first base and in your five hole. Trevor, tell me a funny story. He's playing shortstop. Ryan McMahon at third base. Tony Walters at catcher. And Jerome Bettis the bus will be the right-handed pitcher for your Rockies tonight. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. A national audience has now seen LeBron James pass the torch to Victor Oladipo as the league's best player. Other crap. Marlon's man is auctioning off his fandom. He says he's a philanthropist that's not looking for attention. That's the joke. Other crap. That's right. That's why he wears a jersey visible from space behind the camera at every damn sporting event in the country. Woo! Other crap. In Argentina, there is a creature that they say has killed two dogs and it only comes out at night. There's only one blurry photo of the creature. That's what you would call a chupacabra, Adam. Woo! Other crap. Arizona Coyote Richard Panic was arrested for trespassing. He resisted arrest. The cop said he, not proud of this one, panicked. Woo! Other crap. The world's largest lollipop was made by CC Candies in 2012. Yeah, Adam, it was 7,003 pounds, over 4 feet in length and 5 feet in height. It had a 12-foot stick. Woo! Other crap. I forgot there's no boy going anymore. That's my bad. I screwed up. Yeah, we're getting used to it. We're getting used to it. Woo! Other crap. A Southwest flight had to make an emergency landing in Philadelphia after an engine blew out, so I imagine the passengers would have rather just crashed in the Andes. Woo! Other crap. Stormy Daniels released a photo of the man she said threatened her. It looked like an ugly Tom Brady. Woo! Other crap. Or an attractive Rosie O'Donnell. Woo! Other crap. Joe Flacco says he plans to organize a passing camp prior to the season. That's the joke again. Woo! Other crap. Someone achieved the first front flip in Monster Jam history. It was not Danica Patrick. Woo! Other crap. Although she's good at crashing cars. Woo! 
other crap. A previously unknown nurse finished in second place in the Boston Marathon. It was only her second ever race. I think she took a cab. Woo! Other crap. It has been 413 days since Pitt basketball has won a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Brian Metzer. I did. In, uh, to, to your analogy, it's sort of like, you know, when people own exotic animals and they, and they say they can turn on you at any moment. They want a, an alligator yes. or a crocodile or a lion or a tiger. That's what you get with Ragto Duda. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Adam Crowley. If Sean Couturier is hurt, why am I supposed to feel bad? Patrick Hornquist is hurt. Crystal Tang was hurt last year. Carl Hagelin was hurt last year. Hell, Patrick Hornquist was hurt last year for six games in the conference final. I have zero sympathy for injuries that the other team suffers, certainly when those injuries are brought upon by stupidity by one of the worst players on their roster. First star. And tonight's first stars of the show, Harry Carey and Stat Pat. Well, maybe it's time now to put him out to pasture. Your thoughts? Well, can I just speak for myself here, please? No, I will not speak to you, Stat Pat. I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen no! to me. Just for a second. No! I mean, I never... I refuse to talk to you. Didn't do anything. No! Enough! It's enough already. We get it. You like stats. People bag your wife. Hilarious. You know, I fought it in my car, so I needed some Febreze. Because <laughs> I fought it in my car, and I fought it in my car. Febreze. Febreze. Hey, yeah. Katie, would you shut up in there? Who let the dogs out? Oh, no. Tomorrow, Penguins and Flyers game four. That's all we're talking about. The whole time. Maybe Staff Pat will be back. We'll see how the poll winds up. Peace, bitches. And the girls respond to the call. I have a pool shot